everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Web3 Native Podcast. Today, we actually have very timely guests who have come on to share about some interesting and exciting developments in the crypto space. Please welcome Arjun and Ishan from Polygon. Hello. Hey, hi. Hi, Shukai. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thank I guess you. so. Thank you for having us. Indeed. Indeed. So we've been in touch for some time uh, via the Asia DeFi network and also just uh, sharing thoughts around the industry. I'm so excited to dive into the recent developments on Polygon. Uh, but before we do that, uh, as usual, we always like to go back to your personal journeys in crypto. So for everyone to get to know you, why don't we start off with uh, some sort of uh, personal stories on how you got into crypto and into Polygon? Uh, whoever, <laughs> Arjun? Uh, sure, sure. I'll I'll just uh, jump in. So so for me, uh, crypto started way back in 2016 um, when I was sort of researching, uh, you know, which are sort of some of the new technologies which are going to have like a you know big impact on our future. Uh, and that's kind of when I came across blockchain technology, and then you know, I started researching it. Um, and at the time, there wasn't like a lot of material or knowledge about blockchain, so you had to read like a lot of blogs, you had to talk to people, so it was something like that. But but I kind of really became uh, very enamored uh, by the idea of decentralization. Um, and, you know, and I just kept studying more about it. And, and I, at some point, I just decided that, you know, this is this like I, I want to build a career in the space. Um, and then in, in 2020 is when, uh, you know, the folks at uh, Polygon then reached out to me. And uh, at the time, you know, our mainnet had just gone live. And, uh, you know, we had to sort of start, uh, you know, sort of the adoption process, as one might say, right, like reaching out to apps, figuring out, you know, how how we need to sort of do business development, how do we build the teams, uh, that that kind of stuff. So that, that was kind of what I was tasked with. Um, and, you know, ever since then, I've been doing that. Uh, so, so yeah, so that's 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 about about me and uh, Polycon. Yeah, Isha? Yeah, so, so basically, yeah, I mean, uh, actually, I'm fairly new to crypto, I would say, uh, in terms of, you know, getting to know a little bit more about it. Actually, obviously, we know had heard about Bitcoin and Ethereum back in 2015, 2016, but never had the chance to actually delve deeper into, you know, what real life implications it could have uh, on businesses, on on society, on economies, right? So, but it was only you know just last year when you know I was on a break, just taking some time off to take a breather, and you know I got into crypto, and in India now we have good products which allow people to invest in crypto you know very smooth onboarding good user experience good user interface so i got it into trading and then you know i figured that you know this is definitely something i need to delve deeper into right and i started reading more about the technology i started getting more into understanding you know what amms are what stable coins are etc etc and I joined Polygon, you know, because I saw that there was an opening at the growth team under Arjun. So I just pinged him on LinkedIn and, you know, we set up interviews and, um, you know, yeah, got, got that role. But since then, you know, of course, a lot of things have been happening. One week feels like a year in terms of developments, uh, you know, and the exposure that being at a company like Polygon provides a very holistic exposure, right? You're not just limited to DeFi or NFTs you get a lot more understanding about the entire ecosystem. So, you know, just those last six months that I've been at Polygon here have been, you know, super high in terms of, you know, very steep, a very steep learning curve. So now I'm, you know, part of the NFT and gaming team at Polygon and, 
uh, yeah, you know, just really excited by everything that happening, not just on NFTs, but also on the DAO side, also on the creator side, Web3 cre creators, entrepreneurship, you know, just really excited about all of this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're going to dive into all of that for sure. The NFT side, the gaming side, the DAO side, and the various partnerships as well. So great. I think for the benefit of some of our audience members who may be uh, new to uh, Polygon, which is already a pretty well-known name in crypto, it would still be good to kind of refresh. How would you describe Polygon in one or two sentences? Um, sure, Ishan, why don't you take a crack at it? Yeah. So, so basically, you know, I think uh, given that you know, I have been a fairly new member of Web3 technology. You know, I have a lot of friends who are Web2 users and how they ask me about Polygon mm -hmm. and how I explain it to them is basically, you know, just like, for example, you know, you can look at Polygon as a con as a highway on top of a congested road. So, you know, that makes things easier for people to understand because with Ethereum, we have all these scalability issues, but we are there to basically, you know, take on all the major burden about transaction execution calculation, but at the end of the day, ultimately linking back with the same road, with the same Ethereum network. So ultimately, you know, I think that is a good analogy that, you know, we have been using to basically educate Web2 users in a very layman sort of a term. Arjun, mm -hmm. if you would like to add more. Yeah. No, I think that that covers it. So just like how Vishan said, right? So we're a scalability uh, sort of a scaling solution for Ethereum, and uh, and you know our focus has been the Ethereum ecosystem. So since we always felt you know it was the best ecosystem, um, you know the philosophy of what Ethereum represents in terms of its uh, you know theory of subtraction, and and the way it, it is sort of thought out, you know how to scale blockchain technology, how to reach out to the masses, what kind of tooling you need to build. So all of that is something which is very exceptional, and and it sort of sort of is something which you know we. As a company, you know, also believe in the same philosophy. So, so that's kind of when we decided that, you know, if we need to, you know, sort of solve the scalability issues of blockchain, and then we chose sort of the Ethereum ecosystem, and we felt that if we could inherit some of the best aspects of Ethereum, mm -hmm. and like create like a high performance kind of uh, blockchain layer, which would have similar performance to Web2 kind of technology, which people are already used to, then you know that would lead to mass adoption of blockchain technology. So that's kind of where the thought came from. And that's why, you know, that's the problem we're trying to solve. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's just a lot of emphasis on being aligned with Ethereum and, mm -hmm. you know, being the highway on top of Ethereum even, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and there, there's like a cultural alignment as well, as you mentioned, you know, with yes. the decentralization, uh, with subtraction. So I want to just take the chance to get a somewhat inside view of like the DNA and the culture of the mm -hmm. Polygon team, right? We already mentioned a little bit of that. Would you like to just add some color, you know, what are some principles that, that and, and, and motivations that guide the team and the decisions? Sure, and, and you know, if I were to uh, just, just briefly talk about company culture in, in, you know, in sort of a sense, that's also for me, like when we structured the teams, right? And when we decided what kind of culture should we have, like how should we build teams? What kind of responsibility should we give? So, so I think, for me, inspiration came from Ethereum itself, right? So, so I talk about this Ethereum's philosophy, or rather, this you know theory of subtraction, which is that the way, or rather, the path to true scalability comes when you when you don't try to control things, right? When you let let sort of the ecosystem sort of organically grow, and you don't try to control every aspect of this ecosystem, versus you know you try to enable 
uh, others within the ecosystem to to you know build things that that's kind of when true scalability happens right this aspect this aspect of control you know if if you want to con- continuously control things it will start working against you as you begin to scale so so this is kind of the same philosophy with which we build our teams so one of the things what we always championed is that we let people take charge of situations so everybody in the team is a decision maker like everybody gets to make decisions and whatever decisions they make good or bad we as a you know uh, as a part of the leadership will always back those decisions so one was you know have that so so follow the same system so with our teams there is full freedom like for me i have full freedom from from my management you know the founders etc to you know make decisions to do things what i feel are right and 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 because all of us are continuously making decisions and continuously moving ahead and forging ahead that's i think why we've been able to sort of achieve as much as we can so it's a very unique blend of you know company culture and it, it's only possible when you hire very unique kind of people you know who espouse this kind of mentality like this is not something you can go and replicate everywhere you need the right people for something like this so so this is kind of what what is our company culture like this is how you know when when i had to sort of build all this and you know the founders decided like that's kind of how we thought about what kind of culture we want to bring and 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 this kind of culture the advantage is as you scale it becomes even stronger because people become more independent and they're able to take more decisions and they're able to organically build business units without us having to you know sort of uh, control everything right and uh, so this is kind of like you know like sort of a sneak peek into how how we like to run things at our end and and you know over a period of time this has shown like good uh, great results uh, mm. so. i'd like to now move us towards like some of the main topics that we want to discuss that uh, have happened recently so of course one major one is the acquisition i guess merger or acquisition of mm-hmm. the hermes network and i guess like this this kind of like was was quite an interesting bit of news because in mm-hmm. the past it's always been kind of like quite organic type of growth right where you know mm-hmm. integrations and and like you said like subtraction this seems like you know an addition <laughs> you're like you're yeah. purchasing like a whole tech and the whole team coming mm-hmm. in and at at the 250 million matic uh, budget right so what is the story behind this uh, this mna right how did it come to be and then how do you guys make the decision there So the story of this goes, uh, or at least the genesis of the idea goes all the way back to I think November of last year, about November December, when you know we were kind of trying to understand like what is the future of scaling, right? So this was the same time when we were rebranding ourselves from Matic to Polygon, and 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 you know, we were discussing that we want to be an aggregator for all the different types of technologies, right? And you know it's great, but but the question is how? Like how do you how do you do something like this? So this is kind of when we looked at all the different technologies out there, whether it's zk rollups, optimistic rollups, and and when we sort of did that deep dive and that analysis, we kind of realized that, like, if you were to talk about, you know, true scalability, like true unfettered scalability with, let's say, you know, one second transactions and 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 privacy natively enabled, like the best case scenario, which is you know possible from a blockchain perspective. like i think one of the answers we found or what we even now feel um is that you know stateless zk clients right zk enabled clients could could potentially sort of solve for that right so you need to have a you need to have zero knowledge um a technology so which gives you a high degree of privacy um and uh, of course you know when you have zk rollups then you have other advantages right where you can do sort of let's say uh, settlement on layer 1 and you know you can have a very high degree of security but also by being stateless right you can you can solve other problems of state bloat 
and you know where where a stateless client just requires needs to have the block headers and as long as there is perfect data availability you can always source the transactions within those blocks and ensure that every block is correct right you don't necessarily need to source that from a validator you can source it from any node nearby to you which makes it extremely fast and scalable right so the more the number of nodes you, you don't necessarily need to increase the number of validators you need to you know as long as you have a large number of nodes also you can solve this problem so just to you know get a bit technical there so so this is kind of you know we started so working backwards from this maybe perfect future we kind of started making those steps that what is it that we need to do now of course like you know we were obviously always in favor of trying to maybe building this organically but to build this organically what do you need to do right you need to hire the right teams you need to have to have a research division um and 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 when we looked out there at who was doing this really really well we kind of you know found hermes uh, as a team to have much the same philosophy as us having done amazing work on zk technologies in fact uh, um you know one of the founders of hermes is you could say the progenitor of zk rollups in as a concept and um and 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 talking to this team we kind of realized that you know if if you we were to like combine our forces right and and work together towards this goal of you know e, you know evm like zk which is evm enabled and has like you know the future of being you know maybe stateless and and things like that you can achieve true scalability which is why that while it is an you know it is an acquisition we still call it a merger right because for us like you know as a from a philosophy perspective both the teams are trying to achieve the same goals we have actually combined forces right versus you know so so this is kind of why we still call it a merger like a lot of people ask us like technically it's an acquisition why like but but like you know from a pure philosophy of how we operate like this is a merger for us because both of us are chasing the same goal um and which is why it's very exciting for us i, I think also just as a quick tidbit if i were to say that you know we put together about a billion dollars mm. for building out zk technology now the merger now the merger with hermes was about 250 million right so there's a whole lot left and there's a long a big story which we are which we are, we are going to talk about in the in the weeks to come um like so we've already talked about some of the building blocks like we've talked about polygon avail which is that data availability layer which i was telling you about right which is when you look at the future best case and you work backwards what are all the parts you need so you need a zk evm based zk solution but you also need like a data availability layer where you can start working towards like stateless land so so all the all these different parts we are slowly like legos putting them together and you know the full vision will be out very soon in let's say maybe a couple of months from now mm-hmm. uh, so a lot of lot of exciting updates to share yeah really cool so the the idea of scalability right how how can we kind of like bring this back to the analogy because i think to to most kind of users and mm-hmm. uh, i guess uh, people who are coming into the space right the idea of the super highway is is very clear and no currently we are managing to do that with like mm-hmm. the the pos equivalent like the current implementation of polygon right but there's a, there's a grander vision of like scaling further or like making a suite of tools Definitely. so so this uh, how how do we kind of like bring it back to the analogy how how what does zk and stateless look like uh, once okay. we have that so so let's now so let's leave these terms aside let's let's maybe yeah. leave zk and and let's look at what you need let's say from a blockchain ecosystem right so what does a blockchain typically consist of right you have something called the state of the blockchain right which is this centralized database which has all the transactions this is stored in all the different nodes right you need some form of consensus mechanism that all the nodes like whether it's 51% or 2/3 consensus or 2/3 plus 1 or whatever have you um 
you know some sort of consensus mechanism to like uh, ratify transactions what's correct or what's wrong and that then gets added to the global state which is sort of your global database again which is the blockchain database which is replicated and across every node um so these are some and then you have you know clients who are doing transactions etc so all of this right so it's it's like a computer where you have a compute layer and then you have the data layer right so um and and, and it's it's operates just like that these are blockchain basics now what does scalability mean scalability if i were to say in one sentence is basically we are able to offer a level of performance and cost which is equivalent if not better to web2 technologies right so what you can get on aws you need to somehow be able to do something better or equivalent right that is when you'll get true adoption right otherwise there'll always be a trade off then there'll always be that conversation that blockchain is good for certain use cases but not all but but to make it truly generalized you need to offer that level of performance so the question is how like so how do you do consensus faster like how do you how do you ensure privacy right like so when you look at the perfect future state of what web2 technologies can achieve and how this can how to achieve these same let's say uh, performance measures or kpis in a web3 environment is kind of when you know you start to solve those different problems this is kind of when you will arrive at this sort of zk stateless kind of you could say answer where you know what would be like true scalability like true scalability or web2 like scalability can come from this solution this is by the way all theory nobody has proven this yet hmm. but if you try to solve it this is kind of what the answer is what you get and and that's kind of why we designed a strategy that way that if you look at the future of what blockchain technology should be right uh, not at what it could be we don't know what it's going to be right we're still experimenting and doing all this research but what it should be and then you work backwards from that it that's when you know sort of it begins to become clear why you should use zk technology why you know you need to like uh, why how how you need to like sort of attack this problem and and this is kind of when you start to arrive at this kind of solution um mm. and 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 like i said the, the thing with blockchain is that none of this is proven like we we don't know for all you know you know i'm saying all of this i may have to eat my words and it could be some other solution mm. which could offer to scalability mm. but but this is kind of what the research says and 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 that's kind of what we want to build and to do that we need like i told you the right technology the right teams and which is kind of nice. what we are trying to do so this we are we're not just trying to build zk technology like we're trying to build this entire zk roadmap hmm. you know this sort of roadmap towards true scalability and hmm. and and slowly slowly we've been doing that in a very structured manner first we talked about data availability which we need to solve now we've talked about what hermes will help us solve then there're going to be few other like parts into this sort of story which will then sort of reveal this entire roadmap which we have of how we can you know solve for true scalability right right so just so just so i understand it correctly so when we when uh, after the merger right are we saying that basically the zk technology will be part of uh matrix uh, uh, polygons current implementation or are i planning to like have a layer even above the current layer where it's where zk or so, is it like alternative where you can have like two different types so, of like transactions or projects uh, so yeah. it's sort of like an alternative as one might say mm-hmm. so what we want to do as an infrastructure provider we want to put all the options on the table that's kind of why we've created polygon which is an umbrella for all types of scaling solutions mm-hmm. right so while we are trying to solve the problem of true scalability like we want to put every option on the table so for example if the user wants to use let's say optimistic rollups we will have that option as well if you want to use mm-hmm. let's say a zk rollup chain you can use that if you want to use a current plasma pos chain you can do that as well mm-hmm. so it's, it's something like that right and and what we kind of feel that the future will always be multi chain and 
and the, and there are you know solutions out there which which would scale really really well on our plasma pos chain which may not need like a zk kind of implementation mm-hmm. while like you know certain cases like defi and payments uh, you know benefit a lot from zero knowledge technology where you know privacy and these kind of things become like very paramount um, right so so right so there so we want to put all the options on the table the developer can then decide and and that's right. kind of how we want to like because as an infrastructure company that's what we see is our responsibility like put all options on the table mm. and the developer can decide right so it's kind of a, an alternative that will be yes. i guess somewhat in parallel of of the yes. current uh, uh, pos plasma polygon yes so there's uh, a plasma and, pos chain and then there will yeah. be also be this polygon hermes chain great great yeah, and so it, that that means that it will kind of like live as a separate chain on its own as well, right? That's that's pretty interesting, uh, because we understand that the Hermes network is is currently running, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And they have their own kind of like very unique consensus mechanisms around yes. this like proof of donation, uh, right? Where where some portion will actually be burned, some portion will be given back to a, a fund that will be used for like development of uh, public goods. Even mm-hmm. uh, will will all these tokenomics continue to uh, to stay right uh, but just great replacing question. the the matic token with great, great question so so we will have we will be unveiling the updated roadmap mm-hmm. right now that we have one company and we've combined our efforts i think we can maybe like you know like the things which we at polygon or hermes were doing piecemeal i think we can do better together so an updated like clearly this points towards some sort of updated roadmap so we, we, we will talk about that in the days to come yes I see. Okay, so it sounds like some uh, major changes uh, are are coming. Uh, hope, because I can imagine, you know, if you have a lot of like different tokenomics uh, and different consensus mechanisms, but it's all kind of like under the polygon umbrella, it could get yeah, it pretty messy. Yeah, right? It doesn't solve this issue. It doesn't solve yeah. for simplicity, right? We want to make things easy for the developers. So there has to be a unified set of token economics, which sort of is 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 works for the entire ecosystem, which is what we will, you know, sort of we are working on, and we will have to add some, you know, we will reveal at some point. Mm-hmm. And I guess one last kind of like specific question here is that uh, with this merger, the basically the the Hez token will also be be completely replaced with the Matic token, and there's going to be a token swap that's going to take place. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the the date and all that is not yet announced, but the ratio has been announced. What I'm most curious about is that uh, it seems that you know currently. The based on the fully diluted valuation, there's like uh, 469 million worth of uh, Hez tokens, uh, but we're acquiring them with like 250 uh, million of, of Matic, which kind of doesn't measure up. So I'm wondering whether, you know, w- what happens to the unvested or the fully diluted so, so hence, portion? Hence, yeah. hence, the, hence yeah. the ratio, right? So see, when when you're doing a token swap, you will obviously the focus of the swap will be the value of the tokens, which are already there in the market, mm-hmm. right? The ones which are not there in the market are basically, uh, you know, are, are do not, you could add one point. So, so, so okay, let me explain it this way. Let's say I have five, 10, let's say my token supply is 10 million tokens, right? Mm-hmm. And 5 million are there in the market and the 5 million have been sold at $1, right? So you could say that the fully diluted valuation is 10 million, right? But mm-hmm. there is no guarantee that if I, if I release the 5 million tokens, which I have out there in the market, that others will buy them. For all you know, my value could get dumped, right? Who yep. knows? right? So the fully diluted valuation in some ways can be misleading, right? It's like, like if it's like me saying that my house is worth like you know million dollars it's worth a million dollars if there is somebody out there willing to pay a million dollars like mm-hmm. me saying it's worth a million dollars has no value so so which is why i feel that like you know while the fully diluted valuation is, is obviously a certain number the the number of tokens out there in the market which are being traded are the real sort of you could say where you can get the real value of, mm-hmm. of, of what 
what is the value and and what that could mean and and of course you know we looked at all of these factors and and we decided on a particular number okay. and and a ratio and this was discussed of course with the hermes team who also found it like you know to be reasonable so the the unvested tokens would they be burnt or are they swappable at all no so we are figuring that out uh, we will we will like i said so we will come up with like, like a proper uh, like a proper road map on you know what has to be done so we had a call on this today and and i think in the next week or so we will you know start to talk about these about what exactly is going to happen which contracts are going to be used to swap and you know if suppose you swap what happens and you know that time period so yeah so those things are yet to be released to the public mm yeah certainly one to watch and because this will kind of uh, form a precedent right it's a precedent of, yeah of the first <laughs> of its kind in in all of crypto yeah, no, yeah in, in definitely fact, bit of pressure because of yes. that so we need to get, <laughs> it, to get right. it right <laughs> we need to get it right the first time but uh, but yeah i mean it's very exciting for us as well right it's the first time something like this is happening um and uh, you know i think this will lead to like a lot more interesting uh, things like you know if, if once we once we're able to simulate it this will kind of give rise to this new science of how you must you know what is the right way of doing it yeah and, and, yeah yeah because in a way i think this is the first i think sign of a consolidation in the multi-chain world right because we always talk about multi-chain and so many side chains so many layer 2 solutions are are mm-hmm. coming up but uh, they haven't started consolidating this is kind of like the first incident uh, and so we really exciting to see you know whether you continue to do this mm-hmm. and and uh, allow me to just segue a little bit because you you hinted at it a little bit with the 1 billion zk mm-hmm. strategic fund right and mm-hmm. of course this is 250 out of that that 1 billion uh, will is the rest kind of earmarked for similar activities are we going to see you know more consolidation and therefore kind of like a conglomerate forming around polygon um so i can i can neither confirm or deny this information now kidding so i <laughs> i think i think i think definitely so so they are they are like i told you right so you have to just look at the different legos you need to like you know build a successful kind of solution so you need the right teams you need the right technology so 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 the the 750 which is left is going to be a combination of some some similar things some maybe not so similar um and and but yes the the word you used very interesting word conglomerate like you know which is kind of what i feel a multi chain ecosystem would be right since so there will be different teams focusing on different things so that that definitely is is sort of the the future like that's the polygon roadmap which is to which is points which is a multi chain future mm-hmm. i mean it's in the name itself right polygon right it's supposed to be like kind of multifaceted and and exactly. various parts yeah perfect perfect well another part that is uh, multifaceted is not just in terms of the infrastructure and chains it's also in the kind of like the, the application level or like the vertical mm-hmm. focus and we've we've seen quite a few of of this like focus areas emerge uh being very responsive to what's happening in the in the crypto or web3 landscape mm-hmm. right so the the zk strategic fund was one of the most recent announcements but before that actually there were a few actually announcements of some sort of ecosystem fund including uh, a polygon studios a fund mm-hmm. which is also 100 million and and then a defi for all 100 million fund as well mm-hmm. so shall we talk a bit about that right the, the more kind of like application or, or social uh, multifaceted uh, uh part of polygon sure, so sure. i guess here back to ishan so, yeah ishan oh, if you can cover like the the studio yeah, founder sure, sure. would be very interesting and the idea behind it like yeah you know i've seen that you know the current web2 world is definitely not equipped to basically you know help support all these artists help support and get them the true ownership of their works that they truly desire and you know create value out of them so so now you know we had all these nft projects also building on polygon all of these like open seas live on polygon and you know we also quickly realized that you know games 
and nfts appeal larger appeal a larger portion of people rather than you know let's say defi like it's easier for people to relate to you know a game compared to you know when you talk about algorithmic stable coins for example mm-hmm. so i think we also sort of believe that you know out of let's say the next 100 million users that are going to enter into crypto gaming and nfts are going to play a huge role in that because you know i think what i think there was this tweet by kane from synthetics that i saw that you know defi is low attention but high impact but nft and gaming are the opposite right and that majorly caters to and covers a large catchment area of users so again you know the entire idea is that you know we truly believe that gaming and nfts when they work together are going to revolutionize revolutionize the entire space and that is what is happening as well right currently you look at games like axie you look at games like zedron you know people are earning livings out of them uh, you know out of whatever they are playing they are able to monetize their time from whatever they are you know consuming there so at that point you know you truly start to take a step back and think right that i am doing something that i love and at the same time i am making a lot more money than say a 9 to 5 sort of a role so mm-hmm. if that is a sort of technology that blockchain is enabling right it truly means something that it is truly paradigm shifting and with polygon studios that is what we are trying to do so with polygon studios we basically want to become that bridge between web 2 and web 3 and support projects on nfts on gaming on culture on the create creator economy on other web3 technologies that empower such creators right and we want to basically be that go to hub where you know all these projects who would like to build something on blockchain on polygon are being provided the right kind of support whether it's in the form of investment whether it's in the form of marketing whether it's go to market strategy whether it's you know technical expertise whether it's infrastructure support basically an entire 360 degree support system that you know polygon has to offer to these players who would now you know would like to make that jump from web 2 to web 3 now mm. it's all about you know uh, again you know we have announced polygon studios the team is working you know really hard to basically you know put all the pieces together and you know we are making all those progress behind the scenes and i think you know you can expect the full launch of polygon studios in the next few weeks as well so the entire idea is you know to basically become that hotbed of digital culture on the mm-hmm. blockchain and you know we would like to gather that mind share in the space as well that you know polygon is a well proven scalability solution that can provide all the you know tools all everything all the support that you require to basically enable you know your onboarding onto web3 possible so mm-hmm. you know that is what we are trying to do with polygon studios and you know yeah that is majorly about what we are trying to do yeah yeah and, and this model is, is kind of different right because uh, in, instead of like a zk we're talking about mergers because it's the, at the infrastructure level uh, at the application level i i don't i can't imagine we're trying to like you know acquire all of these like different uh, games and projects right so uh, this this kind of investment is almost like a little bit further like an at arms length so it almost feels like it's not not a vc style as well because it's not a financial type of investment Uh, it sounds to me more like an incubator accelerator launch pad type of thing and i guess it's implied in the studio's yeah. name as well right would you how would you describe this relationship uh, that polygon will have and the role polygon will play so so you're correct i mean we are not here to you know get into the project game we are not there to get into the vc game what we want to truly be is you know the enabler that can facilitate you know everything so we are you can look at it as you know we being consultants for them basically in a way mm. right and we will basically provide 
all support systems that they do. So let's say, you know, tomorrow you have an idea, you hold great IPs and, you know, you have a brilliant idea and you know that, you know, you are able to execute it, but you don't have, you know, the wherewithal or maybe the know-how or maybe the funds required. So, you know, what you can do is you can just come up to us and, you know, we can help sort out everything for you, you know, in terms of funding, in terms of marketing, in terms of, you know, maybe finding the right developer team for you to basically execute your realization. Yeah. But again, right, I think we are, we mostly are trying to act as enablers here, um, particularly because that is what our expertise is. Like being a public blockchain at Polygon, we don't build projects of our own. We don't build products of our own as well, right? So we don't even want to get into that space. We just want uh, us to be basically become that hub. Like let's say tomorrow, you know, I'm just throwing it around. Maybe it's a throwaway word. Let's say Warner Brothers wants to create a NFT marketplace or a metaverse on Polygon. How will they do that? So, you know, we want to take that mind share. They can come up to us and, you know, we can basically facilitate all the ecosystem support, all the technical support, all the financial support that they could require yeah. to basically you know, bring that into realization. So so mm. that is what we're trying to do with Polygon Studios. And uh, the $100 million fund that we have earmarked for Polygon Studios is, you know, again, uh, just that sort of an investment where, I mean, we are not even looking for any financial returns to be quite honest. I think it's more about, you know- So is it a grant so, or, or an investment? <laughs> going to be investments it's going to be investments mm. but it's more of a signaling investment where you know we would like to show the partners that you know we are there we have skin in the game with you mm. we are there every step of the way with you and you know we would like to facilitate all of that that you require from our end and that is something that we are planning on doing with them just to you know give them that sort of confidence that you know we are always there by their side to facilitate the dream that they have or the objective that they have of getting onboarded onto web3 so with mm. Polygon Studios, again, you know, we are looking at the cream of the crop projects, right? I mean, the highest or the biggest of IPs. Like if you speak about tier one projects, we are probably looking at tier 0.5 projects, you know? Uh, so so <laughs> all of these are definitely something that we're looking at. And, you know, we just like to point them to the fact that, you know, in terms of everything that you require, we have it. And that is what we are doing with, you know, even UNXT. So they are doing a Dolce & Gabbana drop. Dolce & Gabbana being, you know, one of the biggest luxury fashion mm -hmm. brands in the world. And we have also earmarked out of those, uh, you know, out of the Polygon Studios fund, we have earmarked around $10 million as a creator fund with, 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 uh, you know, UNXT, with the UNXT team. So the UNXT team is basically, you know, Nervora, which is the publisher of Vogue and Wired magazine in the Middle East. So, you know, given that background, they obviously have really great connects in the really exclusive digit in the really exclusive fashion industry, plus all the creators that are in those networks. So, you know, that is just another implementation of how, you know, or not even implementation, it's basically a representation of what we are planning on doing with Polygon Studios, you know, just to attract the biggest brands, the biggest gaming studios, the biggest IPs, and you know, build their projects on Polygon and you know, just there to support all of them. Yeah, there's a slight kind of a, a difference in approach, right? So are you talking about, you know, is this a like very Web2 or institutional focused uh, fund where you're trying to attract the, the biggest uh, Web2 companies in? Or are we talking about supporting the small projects who are all trying to like get onto Polygon uh, or maybe both a combination and then maybe it's like some level of prioritization? Yeah. But yeah. again, a major part of it is going to be uh, about, you know, major majorly from the Web2 to Web3 bridging that mm. we are trying to do so yeah but but all of this to say that you know it covers both aspects you know in terms of web 2 uh, legacy projects or, and web 3 mm. projects as well
Awesome. Yes, that's that's yeah. perfect. Thank you for Ishan for the uh, long explanation. Uh, Arjun, is there anything you'd like to add? Otherwise, uh, we love to move to the DeFi for all fund as well because that's also kind of a, a major focus area, as I understand. Um, with respect to DeFi for all, it's a sort of a similar thought. What we kind of again realized is that DeFi projects have unique requirements, right? So there's this whole concept of let's say liquidity mining, right, where you need to be able to provide, let's say, you know, to attract DeFi users, you not you need to be able to provide a certain level of yields or or you need to be able to maybe be you know build innovative DeFi products. Uh, this would mean like a combination of investments, you know, not just across liquidity mining, across grants, investing, but but also like you know focusing a lot on the infrastructure, you know, aspects of it. For example, simple thing would be like getting you know graph the graph enabled, getting Chainlink enabled, having great RPCs like Alchemy and Fura, um, you know, having having all of those infrastructure pieces in place as well. Like for example even node infrastructure, like with Morales and, and you know, a few other partners. Um, uh, we're also working on some other things like, you know, very easy one-click node setup for, you know, for our, for, for developers and users. So, so DeFi had, just like gaming and NFT, had different requirements. And we wanted to be able to give, like, again, a 360-degree sort of, um, uh, you could say, service, for the lack of a better term, to the sector, where we could not just help, like, ideate, but we could also help fund, invest, um, also provide liquidity mining and and you know this would be across the board whether it's tier one projects or whether it is you know just teams figuring out something new um, you know DeFi operates with, with you know in a, in a way just like how NFTs right there's certain Legos which you need to join together like and at the base level is is let's say uh, lending and borrowing right which is the heart of any economy and then on the basis of that on top of that you can build let's say leverage and then once you have leverage you have options futures and other different kinds of money market instruments and and, and this is kind of where we are also seeing a lot of NFT plus DeFi kind of use cases as well, right? Where NFTs have a huge amount of value and now you can use NFTs as collateral and, and build DeFi use cases around them and you can swap maybe NFTs, right? And then you, when you have to swap NFTs, now you need to figure out price discovery, right? And now when you're figuring out price discovery, you need to solve for things like wash trading, right? So there's so much involved in this. Like we, we typically, you know, tend to oversimplify maybe in the business world, you know, that, yeah. oh, people can swap NFTs. There's a lot which goes into people swapping NFTs. Like, you know, you can create an NFT fund. Yeah, not not exactly that easy. Like, there's a lot of things which have to be done. And and this is kind of what we realized, that all of these infrastructure pieces need to be put into place. Like, a very simple thing, like like what we were working with, uh, the Horizon Games team, like, is, is there a great NFT wallet out there? Like, is there a wallet there where you can log in, see all the NFTs, figure out the latest price, get some analytics on, let's say you have a crypto punk, can you give me analytics on what is the price of the last five punks which are sold? Like a true NFT wallet. Like that's an infrastructure piece and extremely central to, let's say, an NFT and gaming environment, right? Now, now to be able to focus, you know, bring a level of focus here and to encourage projects to do this, you need a fund, right? So you're beginning, beginning to see how we have thought about this, how we have thought that DeFi is unique, NFT and gaming is unique. Both have unique drivers. Both have unique kinds of infrastructures, unique kinds of people. And so that is why you need to build businesses within Polygon, which would cater to this kind, these kind of requirements. Mm. right? And, and that is kind of what we've done with this DeFi for all, with Polygon Studios, you know, with, with, with the acquisition of Hermes, you know, which is now the same story, but on the infrastructure side. Mm. right? And, and this is kind of how we think about, you know, building all of these businesses, right? Try to break the goal down into what has to be achieved, what the, what the community wants. And then, you know, sort of, you know, work towards building out what has to be required, right? And like I said, the key here being that you need to provide that 360-degree support. Like, you cannot just have a fund. Money doesn't solve all problems here. I mean, a lot of the things we're trying to solve here are unsolved problems. Nobody has solved them. 
So which is why like it has to be a little more comprehensive than that. And that's kind of what Polygon Studios, DeFi for all, our acquisitions, that's what all of this represents. Hmm. Yeah, I love the thought around the, the 360 and, and going to the nuances and nitty-gritty that people may not uh, realize that, that is required and super helpful for all of these developers. And mm-hmm. and also tailoring the approach, right? You know, be it for like gaming, you need to have more culture for DeFi, uh, more mm-hmm. uh, creative ways to deploy the capital. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and in fact, actually, that, that's one area I, I love to explore a little bit deeper, which is uh, for, for the... Polygon Studios, maybe it's a bit more straightforward, right? If a Web2 Web2 company wants to come in, right, sweeten the deal a little bit, help them hitch with some financial support uh, by, by deploying those funds along with everything else. Uh, for, for DeFi, there's a lot more ways to, to utilize the capital, right? With the staking, lending, providing liquidity. Uh, so is, is the DeFi for all fund kind of like going to be deployed in, in, in this kind of uh, all these different ways? And, you know, it, even when it's idle, <laughs> is it going to no, be you know, used? Yeah. No, no, not not like that. We're not we're not looking to mobilize the fund itself and right. <laughs> try to get gains on that fund. Like, <laughs> no, definitely <laughs> not our plan. Oh, we have a hundred million dollar fund. We should stake it somewhere. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, right. Not, not and use the yield to invest. I mean, <laughs> like, you know, yeah, we should like, yeah. <laughs> no, that was, that was not the not the plan. But but like I told you, right? There were so many different things we needed to do. So so I think what we started with was, was something very simple, like liquidity mining incentives. Like how do we so 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 one of the underrated things about Polygon, which I always talk about, is that it's extremely fast and extremely cheap. Like it's a great place for new users to start their blockchain journey, right? Because you can start with fifty cents. Like you can buy Matic worth fifty cents, do as many transactions as you want, right? And gain that confidence in how blockchain technology works. Like very simple things. Like you know you need to approve contract before you, you know, stake. Right, that that's two transactions. You can't do that on Ethereum when every transaction costs like twenty bucks, thirty bucks. Like that I can imagine myself, you know, way back when I was a college student, like I, I didn't have that kind of money to do these kind of things. But on Polygon you can. So one of the biggest challenges what we realized early on is just getting people to try our technology. Like how do we create like a simple incentive for people to come and try our technology so that they can see how awesome it is? Right. And and just like how in the real world you use things like maybe discounts or like, you know, other programs to get, you know, people to try a product. Similarly, we've thought, okay, well, let's do liquidity mining. Let's offer higher yield so that people at least come and try. Like, you know, mm. people will take that extra effort to try. And, and, and you know, to our surprise, we found massive adoption. Like, people love our network. Like, mm. uh, like I, I've talked about this before, maybe on another, another panel, but like Aave within, I think, the first 30 to 45 days reported that they had 26,000 unique users on their platform. First time users never used our way before, right? And it's something that they were also completely zapped, like how, how, could, mm. how could these many new users come? But this is the power of Polygon, that, that you know, it, it allows, it's, it's cheap, it's, it's fast, it, it has great UX, and, and, and this is what gets lots of new users into blockchain for the first time, mm. right? So, so liquidity mining is what we started with because, you know, like I said, the challenge is just getting people to try Polygon. Post that, then we moved into like, you know, maybe sort of uh, trying to see, okay, how do we encourage Polygon native projects, like Polygon native DeFi projects, like how do we encourage people to do innovative things? So this is kind of when we started doing lots of grants, mm-hmm. right? So we really went out there pretty aggressively and then gave a lot of like lots of maybe not very large grants, maybe like just 10 or 15K in most cases, but to a large number of teams, you know, and trying to, you know, like because because all of us come from developer background, like, you know, I, I had business, but I'm a developer, like all the founders are developers. Like and, and and this is and and we kind of realized that even with developers, you need to take a chance on people. Like nobody gets business rights the first time. Like sometimes you know people will try one app, people will try two apps, they'll get it in the third third app, right? But 
But if you want to build a blockchain future, we as a company need to take a chance on people. We need to allow people to maybe try something and fail. And and the last thing I want is that because a person didn't get a grant, they give up on their Web3 dream and, and they don't like, you know, for me, I want people to be able to quit their jobs and start Web3 businesses, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's in DeFi or whether it's in NFT, whether if you're a content creator, like we've seen over a period of time in the Web2 world, the content creator, you know, always gets the sh- short end of the stick. Right, gets literally nothing. Like while here in the Web3 world, the content creator holds all the power. Now you have major blockchains and funds chasing these content, you know, content creators. You can offer willing to offer enormous sums of money just so that you know they get access to their content. It's complete role reversal. So so to enable these kind of things, like you know, you need to be able to take a chance on projects, take a chance on people. This is also like what these funds represent. Right. Like just like you know, grants we are giving out with the mindset that we know that you know, seven on 10, this may not result in something. Uh, but but if the developer is nice, he's passionate and he wants to do something and he has a plan, then, you know, we'll take that chance. So so these kind of things like liquidity mining, giving lots of grants, trying to look at, you know, how do we create homegrown projects? How do we create a situation where people are trying innovative things? And, and you know, when you have an infrastructure like ours, which is very inexpensive and fast, many new business models are now possible. Like something very simple, like auto compounding, right? Where you, you could never do that on Ethereum because of the cost is too high. So so there's so many new things you can do, like new kinds of financial instruments you can build. Like there are new things you can do with flash loans, right? So you have apps like Fudu Combo, et cetera, trying to do interesting things with flash loans, which is a you know very interesting Web3 only primitive. Like there's no parallel of this in Web2. So we want to be able to, in, we want to enable not just in DeFi, but in NFT, you know, have, you know, homegrown projects within, when developed within the Polygon ecosystem, you know, where, with, you know, built by teams, trying innovative things. And and this is kind of where a lot of a lot of our sort of funds are deployed as well. And and of course, like how Ishan was saying that with Web2 companies, we want to be able to make those tactical investments to, you know, help them, you know, to encourage them to come on to Web3, saying that, you know, okay, you put down 50K, we'll put the next 15K, mm. right? And, and together, you know, we'll help you spread the risk. You know, we'll, we'll take some of that onus on ourselves. Let's try to build something. Let's not, like, not do this. Right, but, right. Yeah. Right. Like you have to take that chance. You have to try to build something amazing. You cannot just, you know, sit and wait for the world, you know, wait for things to happen. So this is kind of what, you know, these funds represent. This is this is kind of like, you know, it's not just a fund or an effort. It's it's sort of an insight into how we think about things. Mm. Like, you know, this is what I'm really trying to like kind of communicate, why we have these funds and how we've thought about things. Mm. So also on this, just to add, I mean, on the creator side, now that we touched upon it, I mean, now fans have an opportunity to become professional fans, right? Share on the upside with their creators, having social tokens, having all of this. And you definitely need that sort of a, you know, infrastructure like Arjun mentioned to facilitate all of that. Because if I have a community of thousand diehard members, you know, I need to have that infrastructure where all the on-chain activities are, you know, really really affordable and really fast for my professional fans right so i mean just on that side right i think even though a lot of product market fit happens on ethereum but a lot of these things we want people to build on polygon because of how scalable it can make all the creators that are trying to develop their communities their social tokens their community tokens their access tokens you know uh, on so i mean that is what is another aspect of polygon studios that we are trying to touch i mean we have all these communities like seed club friends with benefits and yeah. you know we want all of such communities to also start getting built on polygon where you know their treasuries are here and you know we can basically be the place where all these DAOs are getting built yeah 
yeah, I, I really start to to hear like the culture and and the vibe come to come through between the lines, right? Of like uh, giving people chances of signaling confidence, being the kind of like safety net in a way, or deal sweetener just to get things going and being the enabler that you're talking about. And and I, I also hear a very strong core theme of like democratizing and creating opportunities for people to come in and do what they want, uh, be it, you know, start your own DeFi business, uh, be it, you know, becoming a creator, setting up a social community. And, and of course, one major one is uh, being like, because not everybody is kind of an entrepreneur or creator, right? Maybe they want to join something. And, and that's where I think the social circles and maybe even like being part of a DAO is I think one of the possible alternatives as well. So this is where I think it will be a perfect segue to the Polygon DAO itself. So we've all seen the news uh, this week, actually today when uh, it came out as the time of recording about the Polygon DAO being announced. And there are a lot of details which are already out, but still a lot of open questions, right? We see, uh, for example, the idea of a representative council model and like some ideas of the council. I hear some news bits here and there about maybe even allocating some funds from the DeFi for all into this uh, Polygon DAO and allowing participation. Uh, surprisingly, you know, I don't see a lot of like Polygon core team members on there, but rather a lot of like projects, you know, be it smaller projects, larger projects, infrastructure providers to be res- represented in this DAO. So would you like to just walk us through again, the story behind the DAO and then the vision behind it, which parts are still kind of like, are very clear which parts are not yet set in stone and, and are to be built in the future? Um, sure thing, sure thing. So essentially this DAO is, is where is where you see, you know, like our philosophy, right? Which is the same as Ethereum's philosophy, which is the philosophy of subtraction, right? Where we now see, so now we've reached a point here at Polygon when we have, you know, a, a pretty very large community. We have a large number of transactions happening. We have a large number of dApps, you know, uh, especially on the DeFi side, we have huge number of dApps on our platform. And this is kind of when, you know, we ask ourselves the question, right? So what's next? So how do we continue to build our ecosystem in, in sort of the most fair and decentralized manner. And, and the answer was very clear that we need to relinquish control of how this ecosystem is running. Like we don't want to be that team where it's always our business team constantly like cutting deals or doing something like that. Like, you know, this is not who we want to be. It should be, you know, we are a public infrastructure company and, you know, our growth should be community driven. And, and this is kind of what the genesis of the idea was. This is also why on that DAO, you don't see like a whole bunch of Polygon people, you know, tapping yes. away because we don't want to control this like this should be community run and, and this is kind of when we contacted projects like like Aave, like like uh, sushi and and the reason because all of these are also community run projects like who better to learn from than from people who are who have already implemented this model and who have experienced you know some of the pros and cons and and you know could help us with that experience of how to run DAOs and and you know decentralized communities more effectively so this is kind of why we went with like the kind of governance model which we have right now, which is with the council model. So we wanted people on the council who have run decentralized communities, who have that experience, who you know who have you know played around with different governance models and know their pros and cons. And this is kind of you know how we want to structure it. Again, the objective is to grow our ecosystem, and and of course this with this DAO, if I were to talk about it broadly. Uh, no, no specifics again, since you know now it is community driven. So the community will decide many aspects of it, of how it has to be run. But if I were to talk about it broadly, we definitely want this DAO to have a fund. Uh, this fund would be used to incubate more projects, building on Polygon and within the ecosystem. 
the decisions on these projects, whether they should be funded or not, should be community-driven. Um, of course, you know, there would be some tiers here. Some of them would be decided by the council members, maybe, you know, the smaller grant sizes. Some of the larger ones, you know, let's say liquidity mining incentives would be decided by um, the community at large. Um, you know, there will be presentations. The community will get to ask questions. And, and, and this is kind of how we want, you know, our ecosystem to, let's say, organically now, you know, sort of take on a life of its own. And then, and then, sort of start start growing. Um, and and I, we feel that this is more, this model is the most scalable model. Like you know, there there are a lot of uh, people who have misgivings about you know whether it should be DAO run, DAOs can be slow to make decisions and things like that. But what we feel is that, like if you set set up the DAO in the right manner and you have the right people who who are aligned in the right way, you know, from with the with the same philosophy, I, I think you know great things can happen. Um, and, and of course, you know, there's so many different models we can work with, like, uh, you know, to incentivize teams to apply, to incentivize projects to be a part of this DAO. So, so there's several ways we are looking at this. Uh, we will be coming out with a proper model. Uh, so I don't want to jump the gun and, and mm. you know, sort of uh, say something which, which may not be exactly right um, mm. with respect to the details. So we will be publishing those details as well. But like the core effort of how we think about this, like, like why we are doing this is basically the theory of subtraction like we want to subtract ourselves from from you know growing our ecosystem we no longer want it to be in our image like it should be in the community's image they should decide mm. you know what what should happen and and this is how public infrastructure should be run and so that's that's kind of what this effort is all about and yeah and i hope that um you know in the times to come you know this will sort of be the beacon of you know how how ecosystems should be grown and how ecosystems should be run. So it's very exciting for us as well, uh, you know, because it's something so new for us as well. And, you know, want to see how this would grow and what would happen. And, and you know, and, and our learnings from this would then be, tra- you know, transferred into other, uh, you know, businesses which we're running within our ecosystem. And maybe, you know, all of those should be run in a certain way as well. So so we this is, so this, is this is how kind of we're thinking about it. Like this is in some ways um, the testbed of, of how we will sort of organize our entire community and we aim to be a completely decentralized project so yeah indeed and and this has been a very clear trend for almost everybody in the web3 space right like to eventually move towards dao or even start off as a dao and uh, there are still of course many challenges to be overcome and one mm-hmm. of the core concepts is the idea of like progressive decentralization where mm-hmm. we can't just uh, plop it to the community and say okay yes. now you you take over right and yes, so yes. In, in this kind of transitioning uh, transition phase uh, what role will the polygon team and, and you guys be playing in the i guess coming immediate weeks or months at just conceptual level Sure, sure, definitely. So conceptually speaking, I think still a large part of the heavy lifting when it comes to running our ecosystem, which is like all the communities or the community channels, a lot of the marketing, like all of this heavy lifting is what our team will be doing. So a lot of the grunt work is something which our team will be doing, mm-hmm. um, you know, as, as a part of supporting the ecosystem, because it's not just about, you know, funding teams. There's so much which goes into making a team successful, right? You need to connect them to investors, etc. So how do you get, you know, investor interest in the stuff? Like, how do you do those kind of things? Uh, so, so there's several things which, which I think the team will still be involved in, uh, in 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 some aspects. Um, I think what we want to focus on with this DAO is give the ability to the ecosystem to choose which are the next or the new concepts or the new projects which should should be which should be or could be built in our in the Polygon ecosystem. I think we're looking at it as a series of problems which we need to solve. Right. So number one is to pick those projects and and to figure out you know and and to build that community. Right, which is you know, and, and take decisions in a decentralized manner. Then, of course, you have those other aspects which go into making those projects successful, which is marketing, funding, you know, continuous consulting, 
uh, you know, as and when they have questions, you need to maybe pivot. You should be, you should have somebody to talk to. So I think starting with this, we will then begin to, you know, sort of, how do you say, build more functions into that DAO to the point where the DAO becomes like a, like a company in itself mm. and is able to take, you know, decisions just like any other organization. So I think it'll have to happen in a step, stepwise manner. I think progressive decentralization is the smart thing to do. Uh, because mm. again, like a lot of these concepts of decentralization didn't exist 18 months ago. All of, this is new for everyone. Like mm. nobody really knows what, what, how it's going to pan out or whether it's going to be perfect or not. But but it, it's such an amazing concept that we must try. I think I think this is something so unique to Web3. This is something you can only do here. And, and, and right, so we must try. And, and through maybe some trial and error, we'll figure it out. But we must try and we must take this risk. And, and, you know, so there's several people who said, maybe you shouldn't do this. Like, you know, everything is going so well. Why? Like, you know, but, but, mm. but this is, this is the right thing to do. So. Yeah. Yeah. Aligned with uh, the spirit of like subtraction yes. and, and, and scaling with the community for sure. Yes. And, and so one uh, critical piece for, for Web3 ecosystems, right, is to, of course, decentralize, but also creating the right mechanisms and incentives mm. so that they will act in the, the right way that the system desires, right? Mm. And so I can already see some early signs of that with the Polygon DAO having, for example, the requirement that each council member champion a proposal otherwise they'll yes. be kind of like kicked off the council right and, yes. and i think that's like okay wow there's, there's something that that is a bit different here uh but it also kind of like spawns new questions right uh, so for example how would people decide whether a proposal that's being championed is significant enough or whether it was successful enough or this person put in enough effort right these kind of things that are kind of like retroactively or community decided uh, do you have some ideas on how that could go so already so I think one of the ways you can think about it is just, you know, game theoretically, right? So so nobody, like, see, see being a council member on this DAO is serious business. Like, that's why what we wanted to say by, you know, by that you have to champion a proposal. And if you don't do it, then, you know, maybe the council member position is not for you. So this is something which is very important, right? It's serious business. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it's a big responsibility. And the second thing is that what we felt is that, you know, if you're bringing a proposal to the entire community, uh, which is not just your own community it's all the other DeFi communities combined you know you will bring something substantial i mean you're not going to just do something for the sake of it because it's your own reputation as, as well you know which 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 is comes you know you use so so this is kind of why we've chosen also people who have you know those you know let's say thought leader credentials like people who think deeply you know have demonstrated those kind of traits about you know about ecosystem building so what we feel is that the way we are structuring this, again, like all of this is an experiment. All of this sounds great in theory. I don't know how it's going to pan out. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be some mistakes and we'll have to do some fine tuning here and there. But the core thought process being that, you know, we do believe that by getting the right people, like by choosing the right council members, we will see the right kind of, how do you say, proposals come out. And, and these proposals will represent in some way the will of the community, right? And of course, all of them will be put to a vote. So it's not as if, you know, bringing the proposal is just the easy part. And, and 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 those proposals, which let's say, so for example, let's say I'm a council member and Ishan is a council member, and then both of us come up with proposals, which overwhelmingly the community votes for, you know, then that adds to our personal credentials as well, mm. of those of ecosystem builders, you know, of, of sort of Web3, Web3 uh, sort of champions. So, so which is why we feel that the way we have structured it, I think this this potentially could could provide a very good incentive, uh, which, which, you mm. know, for for you. For people to you know bring out good proposals and and also building like a token for that DAO etc. Also you know creates like a set of financial incentives as well, right? For mm -hmm. teams. So for example, when teams are coming, how do you fund them, right? And and how does the DAO's treasure grow so that it can fund even more projects, right? Because you you don't want to create a situation where you are pumping in money that money gets distributed and then the onus is on you to pump in more money. Like it has to be self-sustaining, 
So how do you bring you know those elements in? How do you design the token economics? So there's several questions we have to answer. I'm sure there will be some fine tuning required as time progresses. Yeah. But we're very confident that I think that you know the model which we have is a great starting point, and and, and I think covers many of the uh, pitfalls of, of what what could potentially go wrong. Yeah. Indeed. So just and, to and add about... to slide, I think I think just the entire concept of DAOs is so new, right? Like Arjun mentioned. So mm. I mean, even if we look from the outside, the biggest of DAOs that we can see, and you know, we might think that everything is figured out. But now that even I personally am part of these bigger DAOs, I've personally seen that you know a lot of it is just learn and you know go and execute and then unlearn and you know execute it better. Yeah. So there are all these sorts, you know, different things that I've seen also, you know, how they operate. All of these biggest DAOs have different operational mechanisms. There's no right and wrong answer. No one size fits all solution. Yeah. But there are some underlying problems, right? For example, one of the biggest problems is aligning the right quality of people to the right roles. I mean, everyone wants to contribute, but how do you align incentives? How do you align the people to the value that they want to bring? These are general DAO questions, which, you know, I think over the course of how DAOs develop, we will start to see a little more about, you know, more thought leadership about what can be done about such issues. So, yeah, I think at this point in general, I think it's just, you know, learn and learn, learn some more, grow, learn and learn all that, sure. you know, all, all that particular sort of a cycle currently. That's sure. Right. I, I hear you. Basically, get in the right people, and then uh, all these details can be figured out together in, in an iterative and experimental way, right? And in a way, I think this also serves as a, a call to action for anyone out there, right? Yeah. If you have certain ideas to contribute, you know, we can just go ahead and, and talk in a forum and or, or be, try to become run for a council member or become a delegate for for votes and exercise your rights, right? Like and this this whole idea, right? Crowdsourcing all of the details and ideas of how to implement it and then experimenting uh, with them as part of a collective in, in Web3. Uh, and so now just wrapping up, because I know we only have a few minutes left, uh, I'd like to just zoom out a little bit and just do a one minute per person, very quick kind of like outlook on, you know, what are you most excited about? We've, we've talked about so many things related to Polygon, uh, but, you know, outside of Polygon, you know, what are you paying attention to? What are you excited about? And then just wrapping it up there. Um, sure, sure. I'll just uh, jump in. So for me, I think, uh, so there are a couple of things. So on the infrastructure side, very excited about ZK technology. I think that's very game changing. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think if you're a young, you know, engineering graduate or even in, you know, finance major, you, you know, you should definitely read about it. I, I think it's going to be very mainstream in the time to come. So very interesting there. Um, also very interested to seeing this sort of, you uh, sort of, you could say, coming together of NFT, gaming, and DeFi, right? So, so one of the things we've seen with Axie Infinity is that, you know, you have this play-to-earn model where you have NFTs, you play a game, and then you earn money, right? Which which many people, like, you know, have used to buy things and pay pay off their mortgages and things like that. So I think when all of these concepts come together is when you see the real power of blockchain coming out. So I think a lot of these novel new concepts are very exciting for me. And as time progresses, like, you know, like the metaverse, right, which brings all of this together, I think that's, that's something very exciting for me. Awesome. Yeah, so so for me, you know, what I noticed just in the last few weeks is basically, you know, party DAO releasing party bid that, you know, mm. uh, where you can just collectively form a DAO, collectively, you know, bid on an NFT. Like, for example, that zombie NFT got bid for 1200 ETH, you know, which is almost 3.6 million. No one could have bid. And then that entire uh, NFT was then fractionalized on fractional art and they were then, you know, ERC-20 dead tokens were created, which people could then swap against their ETH. So it's like basically, you know, the holy trinity of DAOs plus DeFi plus NFTs coming together. 
and you know i own part of debt tokens as well so you know i can also proudly say that i have a fractional ownership in that token so but but i'm really excited about you know how now you can just create daos on the fly with party bid and you know you can bid on things that were previously inaccessible and now that brings even more avenue for even web2 users to come and enjoy these legacy products like cryptopunks which you know only the whales can afford right now so you know really excited about how all of these things are now starting to you know gel up together and create a lot more mature market and mature you know use cases so really excited about you know what is happening on that front right convergence of a dao defi and nft wow and that's i guess yeah. the definition of the metaverse indeed so <laughs> We have to wrap it up there. Thank you so much again, Arjun and Ishan, for your time. And hope everyone here has benefited from today's session. And we'll see you next time.